Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward, our Friday Night Live edition. Uh, so very excited to uh, bring out my guest in just a matter of moments here. So I have a really cool guest. She's an author, and she is uh, it's author of a book called Resilience. And we'll get into more about uh, that book, what the impetus behind the book was, and all that kind of stuff. But I've got Brittany McIntaggart here, and I am so excited to bring her out in, in just a moment. Um, not just because she, we had a nice pre-chat uh, before the show, and uh, not just because she's uh, living now on the Emerald Isle, and I'm highly jealous of that, um, but because she's just a seems to be just a really cool person. I think you guys will enjoy our conversation because she's going to talk about how she has overcome abuse in her life and different levels of abuse, different types of abuse, and how she has learned to focus on board. Of course, that's the that's what we do every week here on Focus on Forward. We talk to people who are who've overcome their traumas, you know, as to best they can, dealing with them from day to day, and how they move forward in life so that they can live their life to the best possible extent. So we'll bring Brittany out in just a moment. But of course, before we do that, we need a moment to say thank you to our sponsor, Vital Signs and Graphics. Please watch the video. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. All right, guys. And if you do contact Rick at Vital Signs, once again, that phone number is 231-652-3300. Let him know that you heard about him on Focused On Forward. Okay. Well, it now seems like a very good time to bring out our guest. I can see her in the green room there, smiling, waiting, anticipating coming and being a guest on Focused On Forward. So let's make that happen. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Hello. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation pre-show, but I'm so glad to have you on the show and I'm excited thank to see so where much. tonight goes. Same. I'm so, so, so excited. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'd like to do is uh, turn the microphone over to you. And if you would please share your story of how you, the things that you've gone to, of course, to the level that you're comfortable Absolutely. And and then how we'll talk from there and how we got to where we're at now to the point where we have a smiling, happy person sitting in front of us. And I think that's right. an important that's a very important part of a journey is. Is, is to understand how to get to the the happy part 
of yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how you became focused on forward. So uh, whenever you're ready. Okay, so basically, um, so I'm originally from New Jersey and was born and raised in a town called Fairlawn. And I was born into what I can now describe as family dysfunction. Um, I didn't understand that, obviously, like growing up, but now I know. So um, my mother had an addiction problem. Um, my father was not around, but I was raised by my mom and her brother that she lived with. They were always very close. And um, they were, he was, my uncle was essentially the only father figure that I ever knew. My father wasn't always there. He was never there, actually. And he was in and out of jail. And um, I kind of dealt with a lot of, like, not understanding, like, why I didn't have a dad there. Like, why other people didn't have a dad there? But um, again, not realizing that this was all part of the dysfunction that I was born into. So my mom was an alcoholic. Um, I was diagnosed with a, I don't even know what the big word is, but I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a child. And um, you know, I suffered a lot for that. Um, it's definitely something that could be misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. And thankfully, um, you know, the teachers and doctors that worked with me when I was, I was only five years old when I was diagnosed, you know, they did such a good job at catching it so early on to be able to get me onto the path of being able to get onto medication and, you know, like focus better and, you know, get on the level that I needed to be on. Because I always suffered with holding friendships and wanting to be involved in everybody's, you know, playtime at school. And I couldn't understand why other kids didn't want to hang out with me and, you know, I always suffered with bullying and stuff, but the reason that I had trouble with friendships and kind of wanting to be not the center of attention, but wanting to be involved was all to do with the ADHD. So that was something that definitely affected me through my whole life. It still affects me now as an adult. Um, it's not something that goes away. Um, you know, but we can def I could definitely like try and explain that a bit more. And um, when sure. I talk about being an adult and stuff, you know, um, so I was in foster care when I was a child due to my mother's alcoholism um, there was a lot of like issues that I didn't know that were going on and I therefore suffered for it and um, you know I kind of feel like being born into dysfunction sort of like if my story was like predetermined before I even lived it because it's just one thing after another started happening and I didn't know any better because I only had my mom there who suffered with alcoholism and she was a great parent. Don't get me wrong. I was well looked after. I wasn't left, you know, I was never abused. I was never, um, you know, neglected as a child. I was always fed and clothed to the best. And it was just my mom's alcoholism emotionally destroyed things. And, you know, it's, it's hard to struggle and go through that and, you know, and, and deal with that and understand oh my God, like, why is she like this? Or like, why does this happen? And, you know, watching things as a child, like I experienced all of stuff way before I should have. Um, do you know, I, I was, I kind of, I don't know if anybody who's listening or if you've ever spoke to anybody, Tim, that has kind of experienced growing up like before their time, because I kind of feel like I had to grow up a lot quicker yeah. than I should have. And for that, 
I wound up in a lot of situations that like literally just destroyed my life. You know, I was, um, I was sexually assaulted at the age of 13 and there's two things, there's oh, two okay. other instances that I actually experienced before that time. Um, that I actually, for the first time ever opened up about in my book, you know, these led to abusive relationships and it's just, it really is a vicious cycle if you don't knock it on the head. Um, so, you know, that was, it's the whole driving force behind resilience is everything that I've been through to try and, and make a difference in somebody else's life. Okay. So we do have a question here from a viewer. Okay. Um, he wants to know, do you think childhood abuse causes personality disorders? Oh, um, okay. Well, thank you for your question, Adam. If I'm saying that, that name yeah. right, yes. Um, it's a very good question, Adam. It's actually, um, now I'm not a doctor and I don't right. want to sound like I am at all. So please, nobody think, oh, she, she thinks she knows about everything because I don't. Um, it absolutely can, in my opinion. And I'll tell you why. In December of 2020, I was diagnosed with something called EUPD. Um, now, that's the first time I've actually told anybody that aside from my very small circle of it being my wife, <laughs> because okay. I haven't fully come to terms with it yet. I didn't open up about it in my book um, or anything. And this is actually caused by, it can be caused by childhood trauma or trauma in general. Um, so I was diagnosed as having that in December of 2020, and it's still a work in progress, kind of getting the diagnosis seeing what kind of counseling I have to get. So absolutely, childhood trauma can cause a personality disorder. I know that because I'm living it. And I also see, Adam, there that you said it's it's also called BPD, which it is. It's a borderline personality disorder. Yeah. So I think for me, it's very hard. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with anybody who has it. But for me, I have found that the hardest to deal with, to know that I have something that's associated with borderline personality. Not because there's anything wrong with it, but because I've lived my life knowing that there was something wrong. I have known for a very, very long time that there was something wrong and that all this stuff, you know, um, that's happened, there was something deeper. And it just, it really made sense when I got the, the original diagnosis. And although it took me and it knocked me for six, I'm glad that I got it now. Right. So, because yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Was, was it something that caused you... Uh extra anxiety at the moment of, of hearing it or did it or did it mm. present relief because now things yeah. you know it's like it's like the puzzle piece is kind of falling together is that Absolutely. is that how kind of how you felt yeah um i definitely think see it led up it was a process it was kind of like a roller coaster so if you imagine one of these roller coasters that is building up and building up and building up and it's getting to the top this is literally my life as i was getting the diagnosis I took a bad breakdown, a mental breakdown in 2019, where for the first time ever, I actually thought about completing suicide. And okay. um, that for me was one of my lowest points. I'm very naturally bubbly person, um, always laughing, always giving advice to everybody else, but could never take it herself. Um, you know, my wife, she suffers very bad with her mental health. And she has told me numerous occasions, if I didn't have you, I wouldn't be here. You know, I'm always very good for building other people up, but I could just, I was taking everything in and just eating it and just eating it and it was going to explode. And I took the first breakdown in 2019 and had to go on medication. And uh, 2020 was a very rough year for me as well. 
obviously it was a oh, pandemic. Sure. It was a complete game changer, but there was a lot of other stuff. And also when I started to write my book, a lot was going on mentally. So um, it did it give me anxiety when I got diagnosed? Absolutely. It was a week before Christmas I found out. So um, you can imagine <laughs> I was kind of like, ooh. And, you know, my poor wife, so God love her. She just, she knows how to cheer me up. And she's like, Brittany, this doesn't make you any different. Now, you know, what's wrong now, everything makes sense, you know? So, um, it definitely did cause a lot of anxiety, but it made a lot of sense. I was, I was relieved at the same time because now I can work towards the counseling and the doctors and the medications that I might have to do to fix whatever's wrong inside me that I couldn't understand. Right. So, and Adam, what you're saying there about, uh, about EUPD being very similar to narcissism, it is. There are some similar some similarities there. If you if you're doing a Google search and you just kind of look at it, and I, again, I'm not a doctor, and we don't ever give medical diagnoses Absolutely. or prognoses. Uh, that's for people who have gone to much more schooling and, and have an education in that level that that I don't have. But from what I can see in a quick Google search, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Doctor Google says that uh, it's it, that they're closely linked. Um, but I'll, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to get to a point where we're, we're handing out um, uh, confirmation of diagnoses or things like that. That wouldn't be yeah. safe for us to do. Um, all right. So let's let's go back to the point where we're talking about some of the, the things that you went through in your your teenage years. OK, okay. Uh, you yeah, said that cool. these are things that that forced you to grow up faster than what you were most kids were going to have to do or pretty much what you were sooner than you were ready to. Absolutely. So, so what were some of the ways that you felt that you grew up? What What do you mean by that? Well, for starters, um, you know, it's oh God, where do I even start? I think now when I think about my teenage years, I was so skinny. I looks completely different than I do now. I was skinny. I had this beautiful figure. I had long blonde hair, and although I wasn't the popular girl, I was far from the popular girl actually. And, um, you know, I just, it's not that as kids would say now, like feeling myself, but like, it's not, I don't even know, maybe it was confidence, but I just, I loved taking pride in my image. So I would have my hair scrunched every day. I wouldn't do the makeup thing. I still can't do my makeup and I'm, I'm 30. Um, you know, I'd have my hair done. I would have the best of clothes on. Everything would match. And that would be my pride and joy walking around and just looking like I knew what I was doing with my life. But um, the reality of it was I was probably, in a sense, also, you know, um, I don't know, like acting out of my age. I mean, the way I was at, like the way I was dressing, I think would have been more acceptable for people five, six years older than me when I was 13 and 14. Okay. And the problem was now my mom did give out to me sometimes, but she really also didn't. That's the problem with my mom and being an alcoholic there was never a crazy amount of boundaries. And I think that that created a problem for me because I kind of knew how to push the buttons. I was sure. never grounded. I was never, um, you know, like never. I, I mean, did I get give out to? Absolutely. But um, there was never like a sitting down, like you're not doing this. I don't think right. that you're doing this. Do you know the way you see in other families? So um, like for me, I was like, I dress a little bit more older than I needed to be doing. And, you know, I just, I took on this role, I guess, of growing up older than, being older than I needed to be at that age, because I felt like I knew it all. So like, I knew everything. 
Do you know what I mean? I knew it all. There was there was nothing that could tell me otherwise. You know, I had no sure. siblings to look up to. So I was literally just living life on my own accord. But like okay. going by these things that I thought that I knew, but I didn't know. And it's weird because I just didn't have any influence in my life. If I had of having like an adult there to be like, yeah, you're not doing that. Or like, don't hang out with these kind of people. Don't hang out here and don't do this. Sure. Don't do that. I think it would have made a major difference. And that's why it's so important to like have parents that you feel like you can talk to. You know, it's not that I couldn't talk to my mom, but I definitely don't think I could sit down and be like, hey, mom, lost my virginity last weekend. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was right. 13 and sexually active. And okay. I just, you shouldn't be sexually active at that age. Do you know what I mean? And that's me being an adult now and talking to kids younger. Just right. do not, just respect your body enough. And I just oh, wish that somebody had to sat me down and been like, Brittany, like, you're not a product of the environment that you're living in. Do you know what I mean? You're better than that. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I took this like role of being like, I might be 13, but I, I feel like I'm 18 and I know what's going on in the world. And I, I really didn't know a whole lot. Do you know what I mean? So I just kind of think it set me up for disaster, feeling like I knew everything when I didn't really know anything at that age, especially growing up yeah. then. Like I was 13 in 2005, 2004, 2005. Do you know what I mean? So it was completely different to nowadays. Mm -hmm. No, I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's jump ahead a few years. And you said that uh, your teenage years led you to a point of of unhealthy relationships, a series of unhealthy relationships. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? And, and... Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. So I had my first abusive relationship. I was 14 and um, met a boy was, I think, like, I, I thought I was in love just before I met this person, actually. I had um like been intrigued with this boy that I knew but really wasn't loved because when I met this second person that was my first abusive relationship I kind of like feel like I really thought I knew what love was which is um a key and um you know I think for me at that age I don't know if it's just that I didn't see the red flags I don't know if there's anybody in the world who has like experienced like an abusive relationship. Like, do you see the red flags and you just ignore them? I'm not really sure. Again, I was young. Right. Um, so I met this boy in January, 2006. We were in school and he was really nice. And me and my mom actually just had this conversation. She said he was so nice at the beginning and about, I'd say maybe like eight to 12 weeks in, he became like really possessive. And I come to find out, I don't know how long after, that he was actually he had bipolar disorder. And, I mean, he was clingy abusive. I couldn't go anywhere without him. I had mm -hmm. to answer my phone at all times. You know, so it was that sort of abuse. It did escalate to physical abuse, um, but not, like, very severely. But abuse is abuse. It's all wrong. Do you know what I mean? But um, he... He and I had a very rocky breakup. He disappeared, went to rehab. I'm not really sure what happened to him. And I actually rolled into another even worse, more dangerous, life-altering situation just after he left. Okay. And it literally, the first abusive relationship was a walk in the park compared to what I endured afterwards. 
And I know it's a terrible thing to say, but when I look back now, it was a walk in the park compared to what I dealt with after for four years. So um, I just, again, I had no self-respect and um, I had no self-respect, no self-worth. I didn't care about myself. And I also did not understand that what was happening to me was wrong. So um, when I wound up in the second relationship which did not last as a relationship for very long but again it's a very long story and if i get into it now i'd be here until christmas time it all goes into my <laughs> no it really does and it all oh, fair goes enough everything in my book but to be honest with you it, it's it's like a story like too big to even try and like condense down it started no, as a relationship. it didn't end as a relationship but the situation was just a freaking mess and um the person I wound up living with the person and I was abused over a total of four years and physically and mentally brainwashed. And Mm -hmm. it was just, it was absolutely horrendous. There were multiple times where I nearly came very close to death and being that age, this is all before I'm 18, uh, enduring all that before you're 18. And again, you really don't have a sense of the world. I just couldn't see a way out. You know what I mean? I turned to drinking and, and I was hanging out with the wrong people. And, you know, the only thing I never did, and I'm very, very thankful for it now, is turn to serious hardcore drugs to deal with my situation. Because it would have been very easy for me to do that because both my parents had severe addictions. So it would have been in me to sit, you know, that sort of like people do say, oh, the parents, the kids can go like that. But I right. never did. Now I did, I got very partial to alcohol, but I don't drink anymore. So, you know, it's just one of these things that, um, you know, I moved out when I was 15 and my mom let me and she blames me for that now. And I'm like, hold on a minute. You let me walk out the door. I was 15. Right. You know what I mean? And um, it's just one of them things like abusive relationships, really, when they get a grasp on you, they just, it can go two ways, really. You know what I mean? Some, some people are very lucky to get out of them and other people are not. And I advocate and I speak about my experiences, even though it's a little awkward and I mean it's hard for me to go back and talk about them things but I advocate because it's so important for people to notice the signs and it's so important for young people to realize that like this isn't normal and this isn't normal because right. I'll tell you what this is not nobody a should, relationship absolutely and nobody should ever lay their hands on you right and that's just I just again wish that I had to have somebody there tell me that because you know I'm not I don't know that I would have been strong enough to walk away but um I could have done something. So, you know, it, it's a lot of lessons learned. And unfortunately I had to go through a lot of abuse in order to you know, kind of get to that point. But thankfully I got out the other side and now I can speak about my experiences to change somebody else's life. So. No, that's great. You know, I want to, I want to highlight one point of something you said in, in that last string there. Uh, you were talking about how you, during the instances of abuse that you were, uh, looking back now, you realize that you didn't have a self-value or self-worth. Yeah. And so many people who are going through uh, abusive relationships, that's kind of a, a running theme. It, because yeah. a lot of times that, uh, when especially when it comes to mental, emotional abuse, it's that that is kind of, you know, kind of beaten out of them. Uh, Absolutely. You know, you know? Um, and then when it comes to physical abuse, it, it's even more so that that then now the body's taking the punishment and the toll. Absolutely, uh, and that's what and it so, was for me for sure. And it's so 
people really don't realize it if they've never been through it. It's easy to have words right. about it if you've never experienced it. But if, if you're if you've never been in that situation, you know, to constantly be told mentally you're not worth it and you belong to me and blah blah blah, and then to physically have it taken out on you, you lose all the common sense that you once had. You know what I mean? So right. how can you reverse that by yourself? Right. And especially at a younger age, because you yeah. begin to see that as a normal acceptance of this is what a relationship is and this is how I should be treated. And and it becomes standard fare. And that's that's the really sad part Absolutely. Uh, for many, especially if they get into relationships at a younger stage in life, that they're now that this is what they've known and this is how they've proceeded in life. And um, so I'm glad that you were able to get to a point where you could say, you know, this is, you know, this is not correct. Uh, yeah. Adam has a couple questions. I'm, I'm not going to ask all of them, um, okay. but uh, Adam, so um, can people who have been abused abuse in the future? Yes, that's always a possibility. Um, you know, it's yeah. just like if your parents are alcoholics, if your parents are uh, drug addicts, if your parents have gone to prison, you are 50% likely, more likely, if you've grown up in that environment, to repeat those those same things. Absolutely. So it would be the same with uh, abuse and things along those lines. So uh, your last question there is a is abuse a learned behavior? Absolutely, it's a learned behavior, uh, because typically children grow up seeing that their father acts this way, their mother acts this way, that uh, you know that this is an okay thing. Um, so un unfortunately, uh, that's one of those uh, those things that you know you have to learn how to move past on your own, especially if it's kind of what you've grown up around. Absolutely. So. Uh, so, Brittany, for you, where was the turning point for you where you said, I need to become focused on forward and moving forward with my life and, and kind of realize that the things that you were dealing with were not the appropriate ways that a relationship and a person a relationship should be had or or the way a person should be treated? Yeah. So um, it didn't come easy. I'll start with that. It definitely didn't come easy. Um you know, I, I sit here today and I'm 30 years old and I am miles away from where I used to be, but it's not been easy and it still is an everyday work in progress. And I'm married now and I now know what love and a true relationship is. And I'm grateful and blessed for that because I definitely think Without that, I, I would be in a ditch somewhere. I really don't know where I'd be. Um, I met my wife in the literal, um, the darkest point of my life. I met her. Okay. We, we, we didn't plan on meeting. Like we just, we wound up meeting and that's it. And, you know, right. the rest has literally been history. And I'm so blessed for her because I was still in a very, very um, crappy situation when I met okay. her. And she stuck by me from day one, and she's still here 13 years later. And oh um, she helped me to see my self-worth, and she helped me to see that, like, I didn't deserve what I was going through. And she helped me to see, you know, just because you were born into this and, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you have to let that define you. She has literally, like, taught me more about myself than I, I think I could have ever learned otherwise. You know, um, the biggest turning point for me and focusing on my future and, and going forward would be, I moved to Ireland in 2010 and I'm here 11 years now. And I mean, my life, I just, it's crazy because I started, it, it took a few years, but I started to slowly unbreak the chains that I had tied around me because of all the abuse and everything. And 
I mean, I started to try and make sense of the situation at home and not having my dad there and then my mom being an alcoholic and, you know, it was, right. um, it was being surrounded by people like my wife's family, like her mom and her dad, literally, they showed me what a family is. And I think only before I moved over here, I started to see, oh, that's the way friendship is. And that's the way a relationship is. And this is love. And, you know, so oh, it's fantastic. moving over here has definitely taught me so much about life that I wish I had known years ago. But um, in 2015, I think would start where my like forward would go. I started a okay. mental health project in 2015 when I was doing a um, certificate in photography. And um, I took the project and I did it for a few years and it was telling the story of people that have been affected by mental health. And I was doing it in honor of family members that I had lost to suicide. And so that kind of started giving me a purpose and it started giving me, oh wait, I'm changing lives here by telling my story. So, you know, I shared my own story and I was featured in a book and you know, I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is good. This is going somewhere. And I always knew I wanted to write a book. But, you know, this is kind of giving me more of a sense of self, self-worth and, you know, all of that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So um, I always wrote down bits and pieces. And in 2019, I started to kind of like slowly like be like, okay, I think I'm going to start considering doing my book. And it was because I had the experience of talking to people and changing, knew, knowing I could change people's lives with my project um, that I thought, oh, right, well, no, maybe I can do this. So that kind of built up like the the foundation for doing my book and having what I have now because I knew, right, no, everything I experienced is valid. I've shared it with people in bits and pieces and it's made a difference in their lives. So maybe I should just do this and maybe I should just use this as my driving force for going forward and using this as my purpose. And I'm really glad that I did because a lot of people like will experience stuff and they're not strong enough to talk about it, which is fine. And there's stuff that I'm not strong enough to talk about, but it's the things that you are strong enough to talk about that you have experience in that will make a difference. So that was kind of the driving force. And that was giving me the, like the focus on going forward, right? Keep moving forward because everything that you went through happened. You can't change it, but use this as a driving force for making your future different. Okay. Excellent. So, now, is this something you went to therapy counseling for, or is this something you handled on your own? Because there's there's yeah. validity in both. Yeah. Okay. So when I was when I was actually when I was a child, and at certain points I was in counseling, I did go um, to counseling. I think it must have been 2019. I was in it, and I just I now unfortunately and stupid enough, I didn't stick at it because I just I don't know. I think sometimes when I make progress, I pull away from it because I'm. I'm not like used to like being vulnerable, which is happens right. all the time. Well, to me anyway. Um, so I was in counseling and then I was supposed to start going back last year. Obviously COVID pandemic had a whole different game plan for everybody. So sure. um, when I had gotten diagnosed with the EUPD, it would mean there's a specific type of counseling in Ireland for people that have experienced childhood trauma and abuse. And that would help me to like engage more with my EUPD diagnosis and it would help to know, right, do I need um, the cognitive behavioral therapy and what kind of therapy do I need and do I need different medications? So I haven't gone to counseling. I think I went once this year. I had one appointment and I the woman told me, she said, if you don't feel like you've connected with me, because it's very important to connect with your therapist and feel like you can Absolutely. trust them. Uh, she said, 
don't come back. And I was familiar. It was the same counseling building that I had been at previous. And I, I didn't go back because to be honest with you, I didn't really feel like I connected with her. I didn't feel like she'd get me. And I just said, I don't really want to put my time into it. I'm glad that I didn't now because I know that the EUPD might, I can't do the two types of counseling. The doctor, the psychiatric doctor that I am um, under now at the minute with the EUPD has said, you can't do two types of counseling. You can't do the traditional and then do the EUPD because it's two, two different things. So one could bring me up high. I feel great. And then the other one's going to take me right back down. So I need to focus on one they said, and then move on from there. So that's why it's so important to make sure I sure. get the balance right. Yeah. Possibly counterproductive if, if you're Absolutely. trying to do the two types of therapy at once. Yeah. Okay. And, and I want to highlight again. So something you said just now, uh, I, I love. Um, so if you're going to therapy, uh, for anyone who's listening, if you're going to therapy or seeking out therapy, please don't feel that you are welded to that therapist. Yeah. Uh, if you go there and there is not a connection, you don't feel comfortable talking to them. You don't feel comfortable sharing. Um, that does not mean you have to stay with them. Uh, it's, it's, it's very important that you have a, a connection with your therapist because yeah. in order to be able to uh, navigate the traumas that you have gone through, the issues that you're dealing with, whatever it may be, you have to be able to have frank and open, honest conversations with your therapist. And if that's not something you feel you can achieve, please, by all means, continue to search. Yeah. Um, my family, we got pretty lucky. Uh, when I went to therapy for my own issues, uh, the, I, I think I kind of struck gold on the first therapist. She was awesome. I really enjoy her because um, she was really patient with me because when I went there, I yeah. was your typical guy. I'm not, I don't need therapy. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, you know, because, you know, which is men, wrong, by the way. It is very wrong. It's horribly wrong. Uh, us men type to think tend to think that we're ten foot tall and bulletproof and we can handle anything and we don't need to talk to people about our feelings. Gosh darn it! Um, that's but one of the do. stupidest things we could think about. Yeah. Um, you know, and because there's a stigma attached to that. Now there's also stigmas attached to some of the things that you went through in life. Oh, absolutely. So for you, how were you able to move beyond some of these stigmas? Because typically people who have gone through uh, physical abuse or even sexual abuse, there's stigmas attached to them where people automatically assume that uh, they put themselves in those positions willingly. Yeah. Well, I'm going to break that stigma right now. No, please, we do please not. Please do. Um, no, we do not. And that actually really, really ticks me off because there's nothing worse than somebody invalidating somebody else's experience and being like, but were you dressed inappropriately? Yeah. Um, does that matter? No, it does not. So, um, my experience with being sexually assaulted, it was, um, I was only 13. It was an absolute joke. It really, really was. And when I say a joke, I mean, it's a joke that it even happened and it's an even bigger joke because, there was never justice for it. I never got justice for what happened to me. The people are still walking around somewhere in the world. Do you know what? And I'm sorry, but I hope they're actually not. But do you know what? Um, you know, I was 13. I went out one night to the movies with my friends. And it was my friend's boyfriend's friends who were with us that decided that. And their words, which are in my book, they wanted to see what I had. Oh, lovely. And I was 13. Do you know what I mean? Right. And it's just one of these things of um, just because somebody might be pretty and dress nice and maybe they have a booty or maybe they don't or whatever, does not mean 
you have a right to take advantage of their body because right. at the end of the day, your body is your sanctuary. Do you know what I mean? They had mm-hmm. no right to do anything that they wanted. I never gave them the green light. Um, I, I hate this. You know, you hear so many st- horror stories of girls going to parties and they're drugged and they're, maybe they get too drunk and, Oh, did I make a mistake? And, Oh, you shouldn't have been drinking on boys. And, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, you shouldn't have been drinking. I mean, did you go into the room with them? That doesn't matter. Rape is rape, and no means no. If you're Absolutely. too drunk and you're unsure, but you know that you didn't want to do it, guess what? That's fine. You know yourself. They, mm-hmm. The other person has to hold some responsibility. You know, people don't ask to be raped, and this is for men or women. You know, um, Absolutely. You, you see all the time these people... You know, even being like, oh, well, um, maybe she was asking for it. Sorry, what? Do you know what I mean? No, you weren't. Like, no, you weren't. How, yeah, like how do you, how do you even, in my opinion, there has, n- if anybody in this world can say they deserved it, they have never experienced that themselves and they have never had a family member experience that because you have a totally different outlook on it. It's just if, like people if who, they had, it was, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it, it's just like it's it's similar with suicide as well. You see so many people online bashing people who have committed suicide. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, they're so selfish. Hold on, put yourself in that person's shoes, and then go and tell me you've never lost somebody to suicide because it's very immature for somebody to say, "Oh well, uh, this is stupid and that's stupid." Well, obviously you've never experienced that. So how about you just don't right. open your mouth? Do you know what I mean? Right. Because at the end of the day. There's so many women who are sexually assaulted and then go on to take their lives and men as well. And it's just like, they were asking for that, were they? Like, how can somebody really, like, you're not a human if you think that. And that's just my opinion. I'm sorry, because I know what that no, feels no. like. You don't need Do you to be sorry mean? for that. I, I was 13 years old and I know, and I'm sure the world knows that there's kids younger than that. And you cannot tell me that people yeah. any age deserve that. No, not even close. You know, and yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's if it's happened to you or someone in your family, those are never words that will come out of your mouth. You'll have you'll be more understanding. You'll be more uh, loving and caring uh, to complete strangers who have gone through that because that's not something that anybody should ever have to deal with. Um, Absolutely. So okay, um, yeah. So yeah, and, and I think that part of the reason why why that becomes an even bigger issue for some people is that we we mentioned stigma uh, mm-hmm. because you know they're they're afraid it's to say that hey this happened to me. Because of a lot of the things that you just said, yeah. uh, people people being afraid of of how they're going to be perceived, uh, you know, oh, they're going to think this of me. People are going to think that of me. Yeah. Um, instead of thinking negatively about the the person who perpetrated the deed, you know, yeah. in, 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 instead there's victim or survivor's guilt and shame. Yeah. Which is and it's just un- it's the same with crazy to me. To um, you know, domestic violence relationships. Like for me, people are like, well, why didn't you just? Leave? Couldn't you have just walked out that door? Well, hold on a minute. Were you there when I was getting my my head bashed into the wall and, and choked? No, you weren't. So why don't you shut your mouth? Do you know what I mean? It's right, just kind right. of one of these things where it's just like, it's very easy to pass judgment. Oh my God. It's so, and do you see keyboard warriors? Keyboard warriors are great people for just typing and saying what they want and having to pay no price for it. Because at right, the end of the day, it's very easy to go onto your phone and type what you want and be mean. And I'm, I, I've probably fought with people on Facebook and stuff before and done it myself, but I would never go on and be like, oh, but like, why didn't you just leave? Because at the end of the day, that comment could be sent and that person could live their last night. 
Do you know what I mean? Right. Like mind your business. Do you know what I mean? Right. Unless you've ever been in that situation, I just don't understand how people or why people feel like they're entitled to talk about it. Do you know what I right. mean? It's, it's very easy to be a keyboard warrior and and not unless have to show your face. Right. In my opinion, unless you're willing to step up and do something for that person, help get them out of that situation, you really have yeah. no business talking about that situation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So, so, okay. So let's talk about your book a little bit because we're, we're running out of time. I mean, you're really enjoying our conversation and this is great. Uh, you've brought up some great points, but uh, I've enjoyed it so much. I wasn't paying attention to the clock. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so please talk, let's talk a little bit about your book. You, you mentioned that you started a few, a few minutes ago. You started, uh, mentioned that rather, if I could talk tonight, this would be great. You mentioned that you had started writing your book. Yeah. And so I know that it's out now. It came out last month. Um, so yeah, hold that up for everyone to see. It's called Resilience. And uh, and it's by Brit Brittany McIntaggart. That's her. That's the person we've been talking to. So tell us about the book a little bit. Now, we talked about that some of the things, the stories that went into the writing of the book. Yeah. But kind of give people a, a sense of what the book's about and what the goal of the book is. Cool. So, um, like, I always knew from a young age that I wanted to tell my story. And this is um, something I find so strange now because I was like a teenager. I was obsessed with reading and writing, loved reading and writing. I spent a lot of my time writing stories and stuff. And I kind of always knew that I wanted to, like, write my story for the world one day. And this is before I knew anything that I know now. So it's just wild. It's kind of like it was destined for me. But, um, you know, I've always had this sense of like being like, oh, well, I went through it for some reason. So I might as well put it to purpose. And I always wrote bits and pieces down that were absolutely horrendous until I actually sat down and did it right. And, you know, I've kept everything that I've always wrote. And last year when we, um, when I went into the first lockdown, I started, I, I put the, the groundwork in and I said, no, I'm going to do this now. Like, this is my time. And uh, in May of 2020, I was standing in the back garden one day. I had found the publisher that I wanted to use. And I had, I had a good chunk, not a good chunk, <laughs> a small chunk, actually, compared to now knowing what's finished to be um, of it wrote. And, you know, he was kind of saying, and when do you want to release this? And I was like, I don't know. And something just comes to me and I said, do you know what? I want to release that on my 30th birthday. So I knew that the, the, that that was going to be this June. So I gave myself just about a year to finish it up, get it published, you know, get the cover done and all that good stuff. And um, now I underestimated the work that had to go into it. I really did because I thought that I could just write about everything and be fine, but I really couldn't. You know, it was a long process of putting everything together. There was a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of crying. There was a lot of breakdowns. There was a lot of like trying to understand why certain things happened. Um, and then being very picky. What did I want for the cover? And, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, it was about a year's process. I actually finalized it in at the end of March this this year. And um, I should have had it finished a long time before that. But with the EUPD diagnosis just before Christmas, it knocked me a little bit. So I kind of didn't look at it. And, you know, that was my own fault. But I got it finished and it was published on my 30th birthday this year. So I'm delighted. It's out five weeks now this coming Monday. And um, so far I've had great success with it. I mean, I've gotten loads of orders. People are reading it. And, um, you know, I'm getting great feedback. Anybody that knows me and maybe if people listen to this, they might get it when they're reading it, like the girl in the post office is like, I feel like I'm just talking to you when I'm reading it because I wrote it. And what was so important to me was keeping it as close to me 
as possible. You know, and I'm really proud of what I've achieved. Um, it wasn't easy and it was a process, let me tell you. But um, I put my all into it and I'm just hoping all that matters to me is if somebody reads that and it changes their life or they take one little sliver of a line from it and it does something for them or they can relate to it or take it to somebody who might be in an abusive relationship, growing up with addiction, um, and it changes their day, my job's done. I'm happy. Excellent. I don't, you know, the sales are nice. That's fine and all that there. But I didn't do this for that. I did this for the healing of that. And um, to be honest, I'm, I'm shocked at myself still. I, I just can't believe that I did it. No, that's great. Uh, yeah, because one of the questions I was going to ask you about the writing process is if that, if you need, you've already you've already answered this, so you don't need to do answer it again. <laughs> but that was that, you know, hey, did you know, how did this affect you as you were writing it? Did it open up? uh you know old wounds and things like that but oh, clearly yeah. it did clearly it, it did it brought yeah. things to the surface so okay uh so where can people find your book resilience okay so basically um i've i've done it a few different ways so i have a website that's launched and people can go on there and order the book and they have the option of it being signed or not signed and um i then ship it out to them now there's a little bit of a when i say a little bit there's a little bit of a waiting time because I have to get the book printed and then sign it and send it from Ireland. So it takes a little bit longer than like Amazon. I know people sometimes are like, oh, I'm just going to order off Amazon. And that's fine, but you won't get a signed copy off of Amazon. The only right. way to get a signed copy or a personalized copy is to order it via my website. Um, so you can order it. It's available on barnesandnoble.com. It's available on amazon.com. It's available on Google Play eBooks. It's available okay. on, um, I, it is supposed to be on Kindle, but I'm not sure if the ebook and that fa falls in the same, I don't have a Kindle, so I'm not really sure. But if you type I, it into Google and put resilience, my autobiography and my name, it'll come up. Um, you know, some people have found it one way and other people have found it another. I'm not sure if Barnes and Noble is actually stocking it actually physically in store. But you can get it on their website, and I know a lot of people would prefer to use that or Amazon in America. But again, if somebody would like a personalized message, if I could talk now, here it goes with me, and You're they welcome. can order us via my website. <laughs> okay, uh, so we had we had somebody from Twitch commenting. Um, Sarah says hello. Oh, that, hello. Uh, Action has donated five dollars. Oh, very and good. And keep up the good work. So thank I'm not so sure much. what Action is, but thank you. Uh, Thank you, sir. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, so, yeah, excellent. All right. So, all right. So we talked about that. Uh, now, I have two questions that I like to ask every guest that has ever mm -hmm. been on my show, all except for one. And I bring up Terry all the time because I forgot to ask Terry. Terry <laughs> knows that she got away with it. All right. But uh, so looking back over the entirety of your journey, mm -hmm. what is the what is the single greatest lesson you have learned? Oh, you gone went and messed me up, Tim, with that one. Hold on now. Um, <laughs> what have I learned? I've I and you know, I really have learned how resilient I am. And that's my book's title really sums it up. If there's one thing I've learned in the past 30 years and when I look back at everything, it really is how resilient I am because there were so many times when I could have given up and I never did. Okay, excellent. So you learned the importance of resiliency. Excellent. Yeah. I like that very much. All right. The second question, which is kind of similar to the first question, 
Looking back over the entirety of your journey, what's the single greatest piece of advice you were given? Now, it could be from a friend, family member, a counselor. It could be about what you went through. It could be about life in general. Oh, no, you messed me up with this one as well. Ah, two for two. All right. <sighs> Best advice. Keep going. And I think keep going is such important advice because I think for so many people, it's a lot easier to see the dark than it is to see the light at that's at the end of the tunnel. Right. And the one single bit of information I'd give to anybody is just keep fighting. Just keep going. If it's a hard day, go to bed early. Wake up with a new, fresh mind the next day because at the end of the day, you were put on this earth for a purpose. And all you can do is take baby steps or whatever steps you feel each and every day. You just have to put one foot in front of the order foot in front of the other here I go that time of night now and um you know just keep going that's my my wife actually I have it, it framed over there but it says stronger than yesterday and um, oh, I like that she wrote that to me when I had my breakdown 2019 and she said to me she wrote me a note and she said I keep going every day because I have I fight every day because I have a fighter next to me that keeps fighting and that hit me like a ton of bricks and she designed, she, she wrote it in nice writing and I framed it up over my, um, the other side of where the desk used to be. Cause I can look at it and that is true. I'm struggling than I am yesterday. And that's such an important thing to remember. You always just have to keep going. Don't give up. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to share this screen real quick. Hopefully that, that, that's what the cover looks like guys of her, that of her is, book. That's it. Oh my God. So, am I Google like those? <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're Googleable. And so, I'd also just like to say to people as well, just while you have that up, if anybody wants to order on my website, um, it's www.resilienceandautobiography.com, just so that people know that, um, Tim, if you can put that in somewhere so that people can click it, just so that they know the spelling of it and everything, just to put yep. that out there. All right. So it's www.resilience. Yeah. The autobiography. And autobiography. And autobiography. I'll get it right yeah. yet. Yeah, .com. I think we got it there. Amazon in the, in the, the Independent. That's a good so, one. So I believe this is what we're what we're looking for here. Resilience yep, and autobiography.com. All right. Yep. So if you guys go to that website, you'll be able to find a better version, a better copy of the uh, image of that book. And you'll be able to uh, order it directly from Brittany uh, to go from there. Now, uh, another reason why I wanted to bring up that, and I should have left that up for a moment longer, um, because I didn't think things completely through, because that's what I do. Uh, so, but so if we go back to that image now, if you you like Brittany's story and you want to read more about her story, I'm very excited to announce that Brittany and I are going to do a giveaway of a copy of her book. So, in order to find out more about this giveaway you'll need to go to our Instagram page at focused on forward. And uh, Brittany and I will be co-posting some things starting probably tomorrow um, for how you can get in the running to win a free copy autographed by Brittany McIntaggart. Uh, so uh, that'll be on Instagram and all the instructions of what you need to do. It's, it's going to be really simple. Basically, you know, follow her, follow me, you know, tag a friend, that type of thing. So, um, 
but uh, it'll be a really simple, uh, really simple drawing. But we want this to be able to get out to to somebody who could really use it, really appreciate it, and yeah. enjoy uh, the the story that uh, that she's that she's sharing. Uh, because there's there's a, quite a lot of power in the story that she's sharing here with us tonight. Thank you. So, so yeah, so I'm really excited uh, about that, and I hope that people take take that seriously and, and really take a good look at uh, what's available out there. Uh, as far as that. So one more question for you before we start yeah. to wrap, wrap things up here. If you were to offer advice to someone who has gone through even a fraction of what you've gone through in life, what advice would you want to offer to somebody? What would you have want to have heard when you were 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in that range that, you know, what would have been important for you to hear? Uh, you're worth it. Um, you deserve so much more than you think. I think just to have been told, you know, you are worthy and, um, things will get better. You know, uh, that would have made the world of difference for me just to know that I was cared about and I was loved and, you know, just to know, I, you know, like for my nieces and nephews and stuff, I just try and build them up to be able to be built up and just know that you have a purpose and you're enough. Like that would be like, just my advice to people. I say now when I sign my books with it, I say, stay resilient and know that you're worthy. You know, um, we're all beautifully right. broken. And um, yes. it's so important just to know that you are worthy and you're enough because there's so many girls and there's so many boys at, in this world that just don't realize because of their home life, this function is a terrible thing for destroying your self-worth. And I just wish that people knew what they are worth and that they have a purpose. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's very awesome advice for us uh, for closing out. So thank you so much for being on Focused on Forward. Thank you for thank sharing you. your story. And thank you for being willing to talk about it. Because I, I think that it's having conversations like this where uh, somebody can pick this up today, tomorrow, next week, next year, and, and hear it. And maybe it doesn't affect them now. Yeah, but, but it will. And, it could. But right. And I, and I honestly, I hope that they never have to listen to this and go, you know, boy, that affects me. And this is, you know, but if, yeah. if they are in that position, I want people to know that there's, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a yeah. train. Uh, <laughs> there is a way out. There is a way past the, the trauma and the, the trials that you're going through. There, there's ways to handle this and that you can become happy and that you can become focused on forward. Uh, because from everything I've seen, Brittany, you are, you have truly gotten to that point in your life. You seem very happy with your, your station in life, where you're at, what you're doing, um, yeah. um, you know, both personal and, and, uh, romantic relationships. So I, I'm, I'm very happy for you there. You. And, and I'm, I'm so proud that, uh, that I've had an opportunity to talk to you because I can say, Hey, I talked to that person when you're, when your book, when your book goes so awesome and so, so heavy up. The Everybody's building me up and saying, it's going to be a bestseller. I'm like, guys, stop because I'll get too into my head about that. And it's just, it's just too much for me. <laughs> well, I hope it is. Uh, you deserve, you. from everything I can see, you, you absolutely deserve it. So thank you so okay. much. Okay. Well, hey, again, Brittany, thank you for, thanks you, thank you for it. Yeah, it may be past one o'clock where you're at, but it's past my bedtime here in Michigan. So, all right. 
But Brittany, thank you so much for being a guest on Focused on Ford. I've truly enjoyed this. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and so for next week, for our for our uh, people playing the home version of Focused on Forward, uh, so next week we have uh, another conversation here, of course, um, and that is going to be with Lydia Knorr. So you guys are going to want to pay attention to that. Lydia's got a really cool story, and, uh, you know, again, you'll have opportunity to talk to Lydia, ask her questions, just like you did with Brittany tonight. All right, guys. That's going to conclude us today for Focused on Forward. Thank you. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at PodcastFOF, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.